Look up there in the sky. It's a bird. A plane. It's Handsome Boys Comics Hour. Those boys are so handsome. One Ben Graham. One Johnny Storm. One weekly discussion of comics and nerd culture. I am your host, Robbie Dorman, literature geek and writer. And I'm your other host, Eric Z. Goodnight, professional artist and illustration nerd. We are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour, your home for news, reviews, slightly antagonistic banter, and much, much more. It's episode 125. 125 episodes. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a number. It is a number. A multiple of other numbers. That's you true. Can, you can math it. Whoa. Start throwing around scientific terms like that. Mm-hmm. It's IR smart. Yeah, that's, I, well, that's how smart people talk, too. Yeah, they say words like abacus. Whoa! <laughs> slow down! <laughs> I'm pretty slow today, so that's, that's, that's saying something. You said the word abacus, you can't be that slow. Mm. That's, uh, regular, yeah. a regular that's a, Copernicus over here. I know. Regular, uh, um, Newton. <laughs> well, I may be delicious and taste like figs. That's no reason to start calling me names. Handsome, how you guys doing out there? I distinctively heard that they were amazing. Oh, good, good. I, I was listening. I was waiting for a reply. Mm. I'm glad. A couple of them said they're really they're 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 also very handsome. So, I'm, well, I tend to agree with them. Anyone listening to this is probably they're probably super smart. They're super, probably a looker. Super good looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, funny and probably having a really good personality. Mm-hmm. So very, very charming. I have it on on high faith. Yeah, um, we are going to be talking about uh, Nimona by Noel Stevenson, Nerd Boy Book Club. Let's see what Eric has to say about that. I'm I'm actually in particular looking forward to that. I thought you were about to say you were impotent. Not right now. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what is happening right now? Uh oh, Java update available. Uh-oh. Tell me that's what's happening right now. <laughs> that keyword, that's a that's a good timing on new Java update. I was gonna say that's the sound your computer makes when Robbie gets a boner. <laughs> I well, you know the sensors they're really <laughs> difficult to set up, but it's definitely worth it. <laughs> Who thought that the Internet of Things it's gone too far? <laughs> was, it, was it Steve Jobs? Can we blame him for that? I. Uh... I think they just call it a Steve job. Oh, oh, oh. this is this is ridiculous. This what is are, ridiculous. What are, what are what are we doing? Let's stop. Uh, we are going to talk about the later, but first we are going to talk about a bunch, a bunch, a double sized edition of weekly floppies. Are you ready for that, Eric? A bushel full of them. I'm bringing. Uh oh, the noise happened without even me touching a button. That's man. <laughs> okay, it is time for weekly floppies. An official noise. That was the, the first one is we retcon that one out of existence. That's good. This, the podcast happens by itself now. I just open a program and suddenly it makes noises. It's kind of a, so. it's a little worrying, but you know, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. 
We are reading a bunch of books this week, a, lo- a whole slew of Marvel number ones. A bunch came out. I thought, you know, let's just read them all. Let's look at all of them one by one and kind of we can, you know, Marvel is putting out uh, about a zillion comics uh, with the, you know, the post-Secret Wars relaunch. So, let's, you know, we got to separate the wheat from the chaff. Mm-hmm. Eric, that is our duty. That is our sacred duty, even. Sacred. Wow. Mm-hmm. Holy mission. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Our first book is Guardians of Infinity, number one. Uh, the main story, written by Dana Abnett, pencils Carlo Barbary, inks Walden Wong, colors Israel Silva. And there's also a backup with, uh, by Jason Latour, Jim Chung, John Dell, and Laura Martin. Um, which, you know, Jason Latour's tease of the thing doing wrestling promos worked on me. Yeah. I, I, who would have thought? Yeah, I know. That like, would have if, been something that you would be interested yeah, in. Yeah, having the thing act like he's uh, Ric Flair, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or Dusty Rhodes. Who would think that I'm the target audience for that? Uh, but th- it is the backup story. The main story is um, uh, Guardians. You know, obviously the title. It's a Guardians of the Galaxy tie-in a little bit, but obviously introduced to you know we get a, the Drax, Rack, Rocket Raccoon, and, and Groot kind of initial team, and then they meet up the uh, the, the Guardians of three thousand and one. And, uh, my favorite characters ever. Vance Astro. You like Vance mm-hmm. Astro? I liked him when he was in the New Warriors. And I, I, I don't care for these guys. They're too life healthy for me. <laughs> they are very, yeah. I mean, they're very, they're very nineties. It's, a, it's the, amazing how it's amazing how they're in the future and yet they're so nineties. So dated. Uh, but, it's well, kind of like how high waisted jeans and blossom hats are back. Yeah, they're back in. So you know, it comes back around in three thousand and one. And in in a couple of years, we'll all be wearing pouches and carrying guns that look like they're made out of roofing material. We'll have no feet. Yeah. Well, I look forward to that. But, it, it, you know, there's, you know, we get kind of a setup for they're together, but they're, you know, they, they go to this place that's outside of time and team up. And that's kind of, it sets up the premise of the book. That That is what this issue does. Mm-hmm. And not much else, honestly. Um, it, nothing particularly, uh, you know, bad about it. I think it's, it's serviceable for doing that because this, it, you know, having a, I, I don't, you, I don't. I don't know. It's nothing impressive about it. Yeah. I, I am, I'm so flat on it. Like, I can't bring myself to hate it. I'm a little intrigued by the reveal at the end. Are these characters that, that, uh, are they, this is like their establishing shot? I That's, think so. I don't know of them. I, that, I don't That little know. dude on the, the, on that little guy on the little floaty thing, he looks familiar, but I don't know. They could be pre existing characters or something. I have no idea. Um, they, Dan Abnett has dug out a lot of characters from cosmic, cosmic past to put in his comic books before. So I don't, I don't know, but I don't know of them. And I, I mean, the idea has, has, it could have some legs if it went to the right directions. Cause I've really, Dan Abnett was him and Andy Lanning are the team that kind of re brought back the Guardians of the Galaxy in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Actually, mid two thousands, I guess it was post Civil War or around Civil War time. And th- those books were tremendous. Um, so. I mean, I'm not going to put it past him to have a good comic book out of this, but this is the basic of the basic. Hey, these guys meet up and things happen. Like, I, I don't, with this many characters, it'd be very difficult. I don't know of another way to, it, it, like, I don't, like, in a lot of ways, I, like, I could see how could this be better, but with this weird, uh, thing where, like, oh, it's like three Guardians teams and they're, like, mm-hmm. in this weird time space. Like, how do you go in media res on that? Like, I don't know. Um, I would, 
Where were you, Eric? Help me. It's it's a lot of these guys being established and standing around looking at each other with a little bit of punching in between. It's not a good story. No. It's not not really all that impressive. It doesn't make me want to kill myself. Uh probably not a great place to start the story, maybe. Maybe. It's it's got some humor, it's got some serviceable art. Perfectly average comic about characters that you probably like. Yeah. With a bunch of characters thrown in that you don't give two shits about. Yes. Does that, does that encapsulate it pretty well? That is actually very, uh, about as well as you could probably describe this comic. I will say, I will probably read a couple more issues of this mm-hmm. to see where it's going. Um, but I would, I, I, the backup story for this, as I already yeah. alluded to, I really, 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 really like. Really? Yes. I, I like I it think a lot. It's- Okay. I like the the thing as a guy who likes he wants to be it's it's very professional wrestling. Like mm-hmm. I don't know a non professionally wrestling like do you like it a lot? I, I would say it's worth buying the comic book to me. Mm-hmm. I would buy it just because of this this story. Like Jim Chung's art is always great and the thing in this weird alien pro wrestling thing where he wants to be a face and they all hate him anyway. Mm-hmm. Like he I like no I'm a like that's it really does encapsulate the thing. As a whole, mm-hmm. in like this little tiny sh- wrestling story, um, I so I like it a lot. I, I would the, it would bring me over the edge to buy this comic. So I'm I'm a buy. I'll push you a mush like a mush meter of like four. Like otherwise, if that if that backup story is, it, I'm gonna do not buy. But with a backup story, I it puts me into a mushy buy. I I really don't care for it that much, but okay. you know, obviously, I don't have the love of professional wrestling that you do. It's it's just feels kind of empty to me but i i mean i do love the thing i mean i do enjoy it but it doesn't really it doesn't really buoy this enough you know i i i think i'm uh i don't know i think i'm do not buy okay all right that is a split decision on guardians of infinity number one next up is the credits (laughs) every week every week page 22 is where the credits are uh, it is All New and Humans, number one, written by James Asmus and Charles Soule, Stefano Caselli on art, Andres Massa colors, Clayton Cowles on letters. Uh, this is the crystal lead in humans team. Uh, the Medusa backed team. There's also a Black Bolt in humans book as well. That's Uncanny in humans. Um, this is the, the following crystal with, uh, wheelchair bound Gorgon, which is pretty interesting to me. Um, dealing with, uh, the Medusa side of the Inhumans, the the new humans, you know, the, as they are birthed and and everything, the world is affected by. They're like a, a world traveling Inhuman team, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, where uh, where are you on this one? I like the Inhumans. I'm kind of already pre. I know I don't. I think you're just kind of. Yeah, they're fine. But I I I I am very much warming up to the Inhumans. I think this is a book with uh, the right kind of personality. Because the Inhumans, they're just weird. They're a, a they're gross and unusual, and uh, th- this this feels like a weird ragtag collection of of just strange characters. I really like Crystal in it. Um, I really like this. She's not she she used to have like the silly like you know sixties dippy do hair, didn't she? She did. Yeah. This is. Uh, this is a really nice, unique look. It makes her look like a boss, and I like the the, the trend to these uh, these body suits and not like the the latex skin tight shit. It looks pretty awesome. Um, I don't know. I am positive on this book. 
nothing is really that amazing about it. Like I am not really that motivated by the story as much as the character and the art. Mm-hmm. Does that does that make sense? Like, I, yeah, it, the it plot itself like, is, yeah, yeah, the, the plot isn't really doing it for me. Even though it's there's nothing wrong with it, I just don't care. But I'm very, I don't know, I'm very drawn to the book. It feels warm and inviting and interesting. But I think primarily on this, primarily on this 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 character and art level. Yeah, I, no, I'm I'm an Inhumans fan. I you know there's. A lot of people who are old school Inhumans fans who don't like the things that, uh, you know, Marvel's been doing. Like, obviously, there's a whole bunch of controversy and conspiracy about, oh, the Inhumans, they're just building them up because they don't have the movie rights to the X-Men, et cetera, et cetera. But there are still plenty of X-Men books coming out. Um, I don't. It does, it does really feel like that, like they're trying. I mean, it's a whole wing of Marvel that has been mostly ignored. I never knew what in the hell. There was no Inhumans cartoon I grew up with. No. You know? And, I mean, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah, when you have, especially in regards to the fact they have the movie, right? And they're going to be putting out an Inhumans movie. Why would you not flesh out them in the comic books for, even if it's just like a loss leader? You know, in a certain way. Um, but they're, and they're very interesting and they're weird social things like that is always interest me very much. Like, that's a thing that X-Men don't have. Like, you look at the humans and they have, all, they share a lot of the things that X-Men have. You know, they look weird in certain cases. They are, mm-hmm. they can't pass as human, which has obviously used, been used as, you know, metaphors for race and sexuality for years now. Um, but Inhumans share a lot of that with the X-Men, but they also have a lot of weird, like the, the, the use of Terrigenesis and like the weird social strata that comes along mm-hmm. with that. Like, ob- like Black Bolt and Medusa, like they are super powerful and attra- and beautiful. Uh, and then, but then you have, you know, weird and they have like slave labor, like literal, the alpha primitives are like slaves in old, uh, Adelon. I mean, they, they kind of, they, they blew up that and for, I guess, you know, do Marvel's like, oh, we need, let's not less emphasis on them having slaves, but you know, that's still social strata and social thing of like Sigma about, about appearance. It kind of, it works kind of in the X-Men and the Morlocks in a certain way, how the Morlocks were kind of the, the X-Men that couldn't pass the mutants that couldn't pass as human. And I don't know, I, I'm always interested to see how they do it. And these characters are Gorgon in a wheelchair. is very interesting to me because that is the Gorgon has always been the brash, mm-hmm. you know, muscle head bro. Yeah of the inhuman family and now he is you know bound to a wheelchair and seeing that that actually of all the character stuff like him and crystal alone are really interesting to me um i like this book i like stefano caselli i've always been a fan so i'm a buy they're good looking books for sure um yeah good lord it's it's <coughs> coming as a less of a, an inhumans fan an inhumans fan i think it's definitely worth your time so i'm i'm excited i like the backup story a lot too yeah it's very good so yeah, I'm a buy on this. So double buy on all new and humans number one. Next up, speaking of the X Men, it is all new X Men number one, volume two. Uh, Dennis Hopeless writer, Mark Bailey on pencils, Andrew Hennessy on inks, Nolan Woodard colors, Corey Pettit on letters. Um, this is post Bendis's X Men stuff. You know they're restarting the all new X Men. They're you know we still have the X Men from. The, the, the core five original X-Men transported to our time, but now they have a couple other, they have, let's see, uh, X-23, now Wolverine. She is Wolverine proper now. Uh, they have Kid Apocalypse, and who am I missing? Is anyone else? Am I forgetting anybody? I feel like there's one mm-hmm. other person I'm forgetting. 
Maybe not. I don't know. Sorry, I'm spaced out. It's okay. Regardless, this is their new book. Them, they're, I don't know. They're kind of separating these, this team away from the current X-Men. They're, you know, aside mm. from having X-23 and Kid Apocalypse in here, they're not really present. You know, they're not, you know, you don't see the, the modern X-Men in this. It is all only focused on these, this coral group plus, you know, the, the, I really wish there was more Evan stuff in this book. I, He's barely in it, but yeah. I'm just glad that that we have Kid Apocalypse again. Yeah, he's not big muscle guy. He's not big muscle broy. Don't hug me, Deadpool Apocalypse. Yeah. Um. I, what do you think about this? I I didn't know what to think about him honestly. I I just kind of shrug my shoulders at it. It's not like I like I like Mister Hopeless. I enjoy this book. To an extent, I mean, it's, I don't know, it's its fine. It's classic X-Men sort of stories. It's its just kind of blah. New Wolverine is really flat in this as well. Yeah. She, she, doesn't, she doesn't get to be a person. Yeah, I haven't, I've been meaning to check in. She has, you know, she has her own all new Wolverine title. I've been meaning to mm-hmm. check in on it, but, you know, only so much money and time. Um. I, it's it feels a lot of the way like this is like hey those they, we didn't send them back to where they were because we felt like there was value in them so we have to do something with them but you know it, it feels kind of like treading water like it doesn't feel like this yes. is any different you know from what they were doing before mm-hmm. i don't know it's it's probably it's it just is that i mean we're gonna get to spidey later and i feel like it's the same thing that they're they're trying to launch book lines for this is for the people that don't keep up and just want the same shit over and over. And that that's what this feels like to me. I, it feels even I don't know it that. Well, we'll talk about more Spidey. We're going we're to talk it. about Spidey. But this is because this is set in modern continuity. Like mm-hmm. it feels even less like if it was like the original five X-Men in when they in their past, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think I would like that more. Honestly, this is. This is kind of having your cake and eating it too. Yeah, and I, I, I feel like I, I really felt like they should have been sent back after everything happened. Mm-hmm. Like it's, having it feels weird that they're still around. Yeah, like it felt like that was a, a the natural endpoint for that, and now the X Men can move on. And you know, there's already a Beast, a Nice Man, a Cyclops, and like we, well, I don't know. I, I'm a do not buy. And there's nothing wrong with this book necessarily, but uh, you know, it looks Mark Bagel's art is fine. I mean, I've never been a huge fan of him, but he. You know, there's nothing particularly bad about it. Um, I think it looks nice. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, but the story itself is just like eh, it feels like I've already seen, I've already gotten what I need out of these. You know, the this premise. Like I don't know what else you can do with it. Bendis has covered a lot of ground with his books involving them already, and this is feels like very much similar to that in a lot of ways. Even though you know, every no one, no one on the team is bad, but I don't think this book is really necessary. So Mm-mm. do not buy. I'm, I, I tend to agree with you. I mean, I don't feel strongly negative about it either, but it's probably better to f- fall down on the do not buy side of this fence. So it's double do not buy all new X-Men number one. Next up is Daredevil number one. There we go. Written by Charles Soule, art by Ron Garney, colors Matt Miller, Clayton Cowles on letters and production. This is the first book in a while that hasn't been written, or Daredevil book not written by Mark Wade. Without, you know, without a, that, with a Chris Somney, Mark Wade team, 
that did, did you know so much with the character, put him in, in a slightly different, you know, took changed the status quo in a certain way. This feels very much like a back to basics Daredevil. You know, back he's back being him. He's not like in the, he's back in New York. He's back, you know, just hitting people in the face with a billy club or whatever. You know, it's not. It, it, it even like looks like John Romita Jr. esque in a lot of ways. Um, but I, I, but I like it. I like it a lot. I think I was just sort of in a mood when I first read it because I don't know. I wasn't really following it too well, but looking back through the issue now, I realized that I had a much better understanding of the story and I am softening on it a little bit. I mean, I do like Charles, uh, Charles so quite a lot. And this book looks good. I don't know. I, I am, uh, I didn't come away overly excited about it. Does he knock this guy's eyeball out? Who? Daredevil? There's like a goddamn eyeball on this page. Which page? I'll look that up. 13. I guess so. There's a fucking eyeball. I don't fuck with Daredevil. What's that all about? Oh, he's, he'll live. That's kind of messed up. Maybe. Maybe it's a glass eye. That's <sighs> a weird addition. I don't know. I never noticed it's also, it it's, until it's, you just said something. It's uh, It also looks like a, a color that's not anywhere else. Unless it's brown, I would like to see if it's it's that brown and it just looks green. It, but that, it's, that that is yeah. that's green. That is not brown. Yeah, is that just a layer that got turned on in this file and it that wasn't supposed to be in there? Maybe. Goddamn well, eyeball getting knocked out. <laughs> I do not know. Oh, it certainly man. looks a little bit out of place now that you mention it, but it really does. I don't know, uh, but I you know it's. It's it, it does add in that now uh, instead of a, 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 a defense attorney, he is a, 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 a prosecuting attorney. He is working for the state now. Matt Murdock is you know, as trying to uh, prosecute criminals, which is an interesting twist. I like and Charles Soule is a lawyer in real life, so yes, he can add in kind of the details and the and the feel to make it feel like actual lawyer stuff. He's a uh, he's well suited to it. I. God, that and his She-Hulk book. I I miss that She-Hulk book. But I'm a buy on this. I I think I I love I like how it looks. I I, I like you know it is a nice. He's not doing what Mark Wade does. He the Mark Charles Soul is being smart and going like, okay, well Daredevil, we gotta you know we have to change the status quo at least from the last thing that happened. And you know it it it's just enough that I think it's it's interesting and I like it. I am softening on it completely and. <sighs> I, I was I was fully fully prepared to come in here and say do not buy, but really looking back through, give Charles Soule your money. He needs to stop knocking out guys' eyeballs, though. That's pretty nasty. <laughs> you know, don't fuck with Daredevil. You know, they had the chance. Hey, man. They started the fight. Uh, so that is a double buy on Daredevil number one. Next up, uh, the I, I don't know, the, a strange comic book. It is Red Wolf number one, written by Nathan Edmondson, pencils Dalibor Talahik? 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 I'm not sure how to say it. Jose, I'm sure that's not correct. Probably. I'm probably wrong. I apologize. <laughs> Jose Marzan Jr., Miroslav Merva on colors, Corey Pettit again on letters. Uh, Red Wolf was, we saw him, he's an old Marvel character, um, Kind of a racist character, honestly. Uh, that was brought back for Secret Wars and the Battle World stuff. Um, and now we see him in the, in, we read one of those issues of that Western set, that, uh, Secret Wars tie-in. And he, it starts there. And then, you know, spoiler warning, he time travels to the present. Um, 
how like a lot of people got upset. I don't know a lot. Some people got upset about when they announced that this was going to be a comic, you know, called Red Wolf and, you know, using this mm-hmm. character from the 70s, which nowadays is, you know, not super PC. But I, I don't there's nothing about this comic that's bad. Again, no. I, I, you know, even parts of it, I think, are interesting. But I don't I don't know. Bringing him to the present actually makes me less excited about it in a weird way. Mm. I kind of liked it in the past with the weird him trying to fight future technology guy, but now he's going to be in the present, and I don't know. It, what are your thoughts, Eric? I mean, I agree with you. I mean, why do we want that story? And it's... I think the only thing that's really interesting about this is where is there a Native American character? You know, where is there an American Indian character? Yeah, not very many. There's of them. N- not not very many. And generally, um, they're not super great. No, anyway. no. Um, I don't know. A lot of this just doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense. It's I don't know. It's 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 an enjoyable book. It's not awful. No, I wouldn't mind seeing more of it. But I, I mean, I totally agree with you that it's where is this going to go? Not to a place that I'm intrigued by it. Yeah, like it was getting intro, like that, the last scene at the end with that huge battle with all these Western shootouts and then this one dude with like basically like a future melt gun, like you're mm-hmm. just blasting people into like smithereens with it. Like that kind of weird, the cultural, like, and taking it just straight to the present, like that is the least interesting thing. Like having him in the far future, okay, but I don't know. Well, I mean, if he's, if you're going to take him to the future, why do you start with him meeting rando kid who's going to tweet about you? Yeah. Start with something interesting. Where's where's the where's the plot ticket with him being into the future? Why don't you start at that moment? I don't know. I it it seems like they're delaying whatever in the hell he's going to do in the future. I, I don't know. This is not a, an appropriate cliffhanger. It does not interest me at all. I don't know. Yeah, I I I am curious to see where it goes, but I don't know. It just seems like this is just an introduction to him as a character, mm-hmm. and it feels more like a zero issue than a number one. Yeah, apt. And so I think I think what the call is maybe uh, do not buy, but you know maybe check it out later. Check out a couple other issues. We might we might look into it more. Yeah, I'm. I. I it's an interesting thing because I want to see like how do they handle a Native American character mm-hmm. in Marvel continuity? Like, how is he, you know, cause he's not, there's nothing overtly racist about this. Um, you know, the only, I, and they even like go on to say like, yes, I'm, you know, they, he, he is fighting the, the racism of the day in this mm-hmm. book. And, uh, but I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see how if, you know, if he sticks around, but I don't, this issue itself is it's, it's not like a lot of these, they're not bad. But I'm not. There's nothing. There's nothing exciting about them. Mm-hmm. There's nothing. I'm like, oh, I need to read this over the 20 other comic books I'm trying to keep up with. You know, it's I, I'm a do not buy on this issue. But maybe in the future I will be, warm up on it. Yes. Yes. Very, very, very well said. Double do not buy. Red Wolf number one. Uh, next up is the aforementioned Spidey number one. Interesting title that they chose for this. Um. It's written by, was he, where, there it goes. No, come on, come back, don't, don't go. I had you, I had your credits. All right, written by Robbie Thompson, art by Nick Bradshaw. It's time. Jim Campbell on colors, Travis Lanham on letters. This is the Peter Parker as a teenager Spider-Man comic. It is the set in the past, uh, him, you know, 
doing stuff as a, you know, him, it's like Archie Spider-Man a little bit. Um, him in high school dealing with girls and, you know, Flash Thompson is a bully. Gwen Stacy's alive. You know, the first and time. And apparently super powered. Yeah, she is. She knocks out Flash Thompson. Um, mm-hmm. but we see Doc Ock for the first time, their first meeting, theoretically. Um, but, you know, it's, it's kind of an old Spider-Man that has been changed to reflect the t- sliding time scale, basically. You know, this spy, this teenage Spider-Man has a phone that can take pictures. He is, you know, Norman Oscorp is, you know, modern, effectively, or, or closer to modern. You know, it's, it's kind of like a, if the amazing original Spider-Man was written, if he was just starting out in roughly, you know, our time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you sounded like you were not a fan. I mentioned it earlier. Do you not like it? Uh, I'm not wild about it. I, I think that I don't. I, I think it's gutless to keep telling origin and the same stories over and over. I mean, there's certainly an audience for it. There's a market for it. So I mean, I understand it. So I mean, if you want to offer a good-looking comic book to someone who is not overly familiar with with the spider-man story Mm -hmm. i think sure why not i i just want to see spider-man stories that fit with this spider-man you know i i'm i don't have a problem you know trying something that's a little weird a little out there but it it nothing seems to fit very well they seem to miss the point of what's great about spider-man and this doesn't seem to know what's great about Spider-Man, but it just tries to recapture it by rehashing the the stories that we have been beat into the ground at this point. I mean, we've seen the origin story in two movies and a bunch of books that rehash it, and now this. I I don't know. Give me give me something else. It's it's not bad. It looks really cool. Yeah, Nick Bradshaw does a really good job. Oh, yeah. I mean, it looks, it's really neat looking. Like, I just really like looking at it. Why the hell does he not have webbing on the back of his goddamn head, though? I don't know. Did you notice that? I didn't really. You Now that you pointed it out, yes, I see it, but I never really It is consistently it. a thing. It just, he just does not have webbing on the back of his head. It's really wacky. I don't know. Is it? <laughs> I, I I don't know. I think it's fine that they're doing this. It could be that this is this could be an exciting book, but what this book is going to end up trying to do, Miss Marvel's already doing it, and it's much more interesting and relevant. It's not ever going to say anything new or interesting about Spider-Man. It's going to say the same old thing. It's it's too safe, I suppose. It's too safe without being without fitting with what Spider-Man is. I guess that's that that's my uh, uh, sound bite. Okay. I like you, this I like this comic book. Why do you like this comic book? I like this Spider-Man. I like it it, it is gorgeous. It it, they, it is it is crazy beautiful. I really really like looking at this book. I I uh I you're right in that it is safe. You know, it, there's nothing mm-hmm. totally you know, new about it. You know, it is the old, it is tried and true kind of that formula of Spider-Man that he, that has been done many, 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 many times. I, I don't know. I, it, it is a lot of it. I'm sure is nostalgia in my part. I think there is room for this in their, you know, in the lineup. Like they've done mm-hmm. this before 
with the X-Men. You know, they had an X-Men comic that retold the early days of the X-Men in, you know, in by Jeff Parker that was similar to this actually in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. I, you know, I, I like seeing just plain old Doc Ock, you know, straight up chubby nerd scientist Doc Ock with his octopus arms. I, you know, I like Robbie Thompson writing his character. You know, there again, it is, it's just, it is standard Spider-Man stuff, but mm-hmm. it scratches that itch. I mean, I, I don't know. I haven't read, you know, that the Miles Morales Spider-Man book hasn't come out yet. And that in a lot of ways may be doing a lot of similar things. So maybe I would prefer that one over this one. That's all I was thinking. But when I'm it's reading this, not I, I kind of want to see. I want to read that instead. Yeah, it's just I don't. You know, it's not out yet, and I think it looks really great. And if I was given, like, if I wanted a kid, a kid to read a Spider-Man book, mm-hmm. I'd hand him this one. Like, before, yes, it, I'd go here. Well, you want you want Spider-Man mm-hmm. here. Read this. That's what I'm saying. I completely understand why this book needs to exist, and I'm fine with that. This is not what I want, though. Well, you're wrong, Eric. Uh, no, you are. You're stupid, and you're ugly. No, you're those. You're those things, but double. Oh, hurt my feelings. Your fifis. My feelings. Your little fifis. But I'm a buy, and I'm. I think it's. I there. I think that represents, you know, two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. I don't think we see this comic book much differently than we do. It's just what we. We know. We're we're. I am I am no longer really hungry for new Spider-Man stories. I think that's the, one of the things that's um that's separating us. I'll I'll I don't look at this and feel like nostalgic for it that there's plenty of stories that are being told that interest me more. But I would definitely recommend this book to some people. Take that for what you will. It's not an awful comic, but for me personally I'm a do not buy. So it's a split decision on Spidey, number one. Our next comic is The Totally Awesome Hulk, number one. Sweet Jesus. Written by Greg Pak, Art Frank Cho, Color Sonia Obak, Corey Pettit on letters. Uh, this is the Amadeus Cho as the Hulk book. Yes, it is. And, uh, do you like it, Eric? Do you, it, 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 it it's going, it's going for it. Do you really think I wouldn't like this? What I makes you think I? What makes you think I would not like it? I don't know. I, I don't try. I was trying not to assume you like or dislike anything. Well, I, I am. This is like meta at this point that now I'm interested in why you think I think what I think. <laughs> I I assumed you would like it, but I don't. I, I you know I, I don't try and I go try and go in and it's, you know it it has some stupidity in it, but it is it is. A character that I've always wanted to see more of in comics. Yeah, Amadeus Cho is cool. Amadeus Cho is cool with me. Uh, I mean, does Greg Pak like rough people up if they try and write Amadeus Cho? I don't think so. I just don't, you know, he's, until this point, he was just a smart kid with no powers. Yeah. And if you. He was awesome at being a smart kid with no powers. I agree. I love Amazeus Cho. Uh, I'm I, just saying I am that, a huge fan. I'm just saying that, I, I, I don't know, there's a lot of characters in the Marvel Universe. So, he was in, um, the, 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 the lead up to Secret Wars. He was involved in that. Um, didn't see much in Secret Wars. I'm, they, you know, this book looks really nice. Um, mm-hmm. Greg Pak is a very good writer and he's, He's, this is his baby. You know, Amadeus Cho is his, oh yeah, is his creation. And I, 
I, I'm really excited to see where this goes. Like this is, I, it, right. it can go anywhere. It can do anything with this. You know, he, I, the idea, it's very like you, a lot of the times when you see a Hulk, that's not Bruce Banner, you go, Oh, and like, like, yes. okay, you have Hulk and you have She-Hulk and then you get, mm-hmm. then, then, then you get Rick red, Ross. Yeah. Thunder- red, red, red Hulk, red She-Hulk. And you know, and then wait, and is then, his name really Rick Ross? No, that's not, it's not, Rick, not Rick Ross. Ross. No, that right. would be really funny. No, it's, Rick Ross is the Hulk. Rick, Rick, isn't Rick Ross already the Hulk? He's he's pretty big. <laughs> no, I I uh I'm I really interested to see where this goes. It's it's it is dumb at points, but Amadeus Show mm-hmm. is a 19 year old, and it it makes perfect sense for that kind. Of, it's it's a like it balances that fun and loose and stupid mm-hmm. stuff with kind of more serious and dramatic mystery very well. And Greg Pak knows how to write a comic book very well, and I'm a buy. I think that it's. Just, uh, this is a dumb thing to be excited about because I do think that everything you said is true. Um, and I think it stands on, on, on merits beyond that. It's just a fun, good comic book written by a guy that writes good comic books. Um, I can't think of any other comics right now that have Asian main characters. This book, like, has two of them as the main characters. Um, I don't know. I really like that. I like Asian the Hulk. That's a dumbass reason for me to like something, but it I think it really works. It doesn't feel like a dumb put on. It's the guy that created the character doing this to him, and it works really well. I want to see him act goofy and be a genius and smash shit, so I am really pumped up about this book. So... Double buy. Totally awesome Hulk. Number one. Our final Marvel book of the week. It is all new, all different Avengers number two. That's right. Not a number one. A number two. Uh, writer Mark Wade, art Adam Kubert, colors Sonia Oback, letters Corey Pettit. Once again, we had read number one, not so impressed by it. But I, I think we were both on record. It's kind of, it did not do much. Like nothing, not much happened in that book. And, it was competent and not, looked nice, but it didn't, I, I don't know, it didn't feel like it did anything of much. Like, it felt like it was just, like, taking a long time to set up the premise mm-hmm. of a story. And it feels like this is more of that to Agreed. Me. Yeah. It, you know, it's like, hey, look, the Vision shows up and Miss Marvel shows up. And no, but you're, you're a jerk. A whole page dedicated to Thor swinging a hammer. Oh, and, the, and, and saying her name. I'm Thor. Hey, yeah. Hey, Thor here, here, mm-hmm. Hammer, Thor. Um, and, and it says, uh, and, and that it's kind of, I'm gonna wait until issue four on this because it says to be concluded issue three, which means that oh, the introductory arc of this is three issues, and it, it all of this I does not feel necessary. Yeah, this is all fluff. Maybe if you have not read a Marvel comic in five years, you know, if you none of these characters, like you don't know. Miss Marvel, you don't know Lady, Th- you know, the new Thor. So can they rename this book Baby's First Avengers number two? That's what, yeah, it's just like, I, I don't, I'm like, this book has all these characters that are really new, or a lot of them are, or at least newly focused, like Sam Wilson as Captain America, Miles mm-hmm. Morales, Spider-Man, Miss Marvel, the new Nova, the only, you know, old, you know, old Gar really is Tony Stark and Vision. Mm-hmm. And Vision is just kind of, with him being in Age of Ultron, kind of coming back and being a main character in the Marvel Universe again. Um, so it's like very much like, hey, 
it's not this book. It doesn't feel like it has been written for us, like people mm-hmm. who are read all tons of Marvel comics and know have read all of Miss Marvel and read, have been reading Jason Aaron's Thor and like I don't. I'll read issue four after they are a team. It seems like that's going to be it. And then if that's still like this, I have no interest in it. I'm a, I'm a, I, I'm a do I, not buy. I'm a do. I, I'm a do not buy on this book as well. But I'm a total buy on Miles Morales surfing on Iron Man. That is cool. That is that is the best. Unfortunately, that is my, that is, that is my favorite thing in this issue. That is unfortunately not the whole issue. No, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna watch that and listen to Miss Erlou over and over on loop. <laughs> Wish I had a like a gif of him surfing on Iron Man. It'd be wonderful. But double do not buy all new all different Avengers number two. I'm really I have so much I had so much hope for this book after reading that free comic book day. I think once they decide to actually start the fucking book, it'll probably be okay. Yeah. There's I'm... nothing wrong with this team composition that that bothers me. This this I think this will be fine, but let's get the let's show on the road. Stop dicking around is what I was going to say, but that works too. Our uh, next book, our only DC book, theor- theor- we have a we also have a Vertigo book, but DC proper is Robin War number one, written by Tom King, art by let okay let you ready for it, Aaron? Carrie Carrie Car- Randolph, Elaine Morissette, Jorge Corona, Andres Guanado, and Walden Wong, uh, Emilia Lopez, Chris Sotomayor, Gabe Eltaeb, and Sandra Molina on colors, Rob Haynes with breakdowns, Carlos M. Angle, and Tom Napolitano on letters. Two letterers. Mm-hmm. Um, lot of people worked on this book. That is too much. It's it's a lot of a lot of people. Uh, the the premise is coming out of We Are Robin. Uh, you know, the Gotham Police and with you know nefarious conspiracy stuff behind the scenes. Um, are cracking down on this Robin movement, which includes the old Robins to a certain extent. Um, you know, the actual Robins. Mm-hmm. Dick Grayson, Tim Drake. Jason Todd, little Robin kid. What's mm-hmm. what's his face? Damian. Damian Wayne. Damian Wayne. Um, Robin rises alpha. Robin rises alpha. Uh, I don't. Where are you, Eric? I really kind of want to like this whole Robins thing that they're doing because it it I don't know. It feels pretty good. It feels like a, a fun addition to uh, to the Batman sort of universe. I I don't hate what they're doing i like the way that they're bringing all of these all of these robins together i kind of like seeing them interact nothing about this feels terrible terrible i don't know like i i think i like it more than i don't like it but it still feels a little dumb and clunky to me it's just uh, i don't know it, it start this is 42 pages i mean mm-hmm. that's not all story but uh some back matter in there, but a little bit. But I don't know. It suffers. I don't having all those artists. Yeah, that's really. It's weird. Not. It doesn't help the story. It you know it no. shifts between different styles. They're not all stylistically the same, and it is a little jarring at times. And at least they do it 
like they don't jump around within scenes. That's true. Yeah, it's you know it's they have they have that much brain. Yeah, compositionally it's it's fine. Uh, I you know and there's a lot of moving parts and I actually you know you could follow the action very well and know what's happening. You know I I wish there was more. I I really enjoy that Damian Wayne James Gordon stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that's really fun and interesting. Uh, you know and I like the Court of Owls and their their you know their obsession with Dick and that kind of like I don't know I I. I'm a tentative buy. Like, I'm a mush of, like, two. Because mm-hmm. I, I feel like I, I do like a lot of the things about it. I wish they would just have one or two artists, not six of them. Yeah, that's just grotesque. I mean, this is, this is like your flagship event. I mean, I don't know. Say, I think that yeah, I, yeah. Th- this, is, this is to try and squeeze it out under a tight deadline. I understand. Yeah. But if it's important to your sales... It's kind of a mediocrity is forever thing. I mean, get get a couple of artists that actually have some name recognition that's not just Jim Lee again, and let long can it possibly take for one guy to draw how, how many pages is this? Forty odd. Yeah. To under that's forty. A, that, that's a that's a few. It's a lot, admittedly. But if it's like if it's like one of your big flagship event comics, you don't see six different people drawing a marvel event comic no that'd be that'd be unheard of that's insane i, I was gonna say like say what you want to see wars being it delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed yeah in 10 years when you read secret wars yes it will look all white it's all east Edrivic, you know yeah. it'll all look you know this the same and have a, it'll feel good yeah and it's 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 fucking fine it's a-okay you know, DC just the, is not. They don't like delays ever. They do. They'd rather have this. That is their, and it's kind of the editorial mandate there. I understand, and I I don't know. You have to look at that and think. Well, what's more important? Mar- well, I mean, I I look at that and think. Well, you know, Marvel's beating them out, and their market share is shrinking. <laughs> Other companies are. I don't know. This is another piece of uh, dead wood. That they, it doesn't make sense. They need to stop doing it. I don't know. Are you by? I, I'm pretty much right where you are on this. Okay. You know, I, I, I agree with, I agree with your assessment that I enjoy this book despite its, its, its problems. Um, it's, it's worth a look. I think it's a, it's a DC event that doesn't make me feel sick. I want to see where it goes and I hope it, it continues to be at least this good. I'm gonna try. Yeah, that's a buy. I'm gonna try. Yeah, I'm gonna try and put all there because it's gonna go through all the miscellaneous Robin tie-in books. Like it, you know, yeah. Grayson's gonna have one. We are Robin, obviously. Like you know, they're all gonna mm-hmm. be. I'm gonna try and have them read us all. We're gonna try and read them all. Every one of them drawn by 22 different people. I certainly hope. Um, that is a double buy. You're just straight double buy, no mush. Straight buy, no mush. I should say. Ah, uh, you know, I I don't feel the need to throw much in there. Okay. I mean, I I could I could throw in any number and feel okay about it. I I have complicated feelings about it, but I think the real thing is watch out. It could go south really quickly. So that's a double by Robin War number one, Mushmeer one. Uh, our last book of the week is also uh, written by Tom King. It is the Sheriff of Babylon. Uh, Tom King writer Mitch Gerard's art in colors. Tim Nick Napolitano on letters. Um, this is uh. I think the first Tom King book that is not in an established licensed hero book. Mm-hmm. Um, it is 
he worked for the CIA before he wrote comic books hmm. as a counterterrorism operative. Uh, so obviously he's drawing maybe from some experience uh, when he writes this. It is about uh, it's set in Baghdad shortly after you know we set up the green zone, you know, so to speak, and our dealings with trying to set up a American police force or training a Baghdad police force, and you know that whole mess that we started in Iraq, uh, and it is not flinch away from the gory, awful, ugly details. It is you know it is about the backdoor dealings, you know the tr- the, the the murder. The death, the conspiracy, all that. Um, and it, it actually, I don't know. It, I only, I, ha, could you follow this well enough, Eric? I had to read it through a couple of times. And I think that it is intentionally vague on some parts. It does not hold your hand. No, no, like, it does not. Like, but it does, it does establish some characters and I mean, maybe not their motivation, but something about their character. And I, I, I am, I am really, really, really into it. Yeah, I am fascinated by this book, and I really want to see what happens. I mean, I am just guessing here, but it looks like there's a sort of chain where you know, army guy calls this woman who does, you know, she's on this council, and she apparently also does wet work for a ton of other people. Yeah. Like she's got her hands in a lot of things and she calls in, she calls in this detective or police officer or whatever the hell he is. Yeah. Sheriff of Babylon. And apparently, well, I, I, I didn't know if he's the sheriff or if army guy's the sheriff. I believe is he's on the cover. I, I don't know. I believe the army guy is theoretically the, I, I, you know, he's acting as a sheriff, but he doesn't like I, that. The main, like the main plot line already is like, this is a messy, messy place. Mm-hmm. Like, and no, no one knows that. what, what is happening and well, everyone. Well, what I, what I just got is it comes all the way back around and he's investigating the, the, the murder that he committed is what it looks like. I mean, did you get that or am I completely off base here? Is this, the, is, are these the guys that he killed? What is this? The, one the, of the army guys guy? No. Oh no. The, the uh, the no, no, sheriff, no. Sheriff, detective, cop guy. Oh, the the guy who kills those he people had, in his basement. He had three guys in his basement. No, 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 no. The, this the, the the body they have is the body found in the first page of the comic. Yes. Yes, that is not one of the guys he killed. Okay, that's a so it's completely separate. I believe so. I may be wrong. Again, like I, mean, I said, you it can, is. I I assume that it was just told out of sequence. I just assume that's what it was. Well, I believe some of these things are chronologically, you know, separated, mm-hmm. but I, I'm fairly certain that they're not the same, I think. Whatever the case is... It's still very fascinating. Oh, I am I am absolutely hooked. I am... This, this book is stunning. It looks amazing, and I cannot wait to see what in the hell is going to happen. It, it's... Uh, I don't know. It's very good. It's been, it's probably been since we read that first issue of Southern Bastards that a book has hooked me so, so thoroughly from just an issue. It's really strong. It's, no, it's super good. I am really, really excited. I have no fucking clue what's happening. <laughs> yeah. But I, that, I think that's the idea in a certain way. Like you're, you're supposed to go like, oh my God, there's, there's a lot of dirt going on right now. 
Mm-hmm. And if uh, no one is, it's like in like Southern Bastards, you never feel like someone's safe too. Like mm-hmm. that, like I was like at any moment, I'm like, oh God, who's, you know, anyone could get it. But uh, uh, double buy, Sheriff of Babylon number one, you're, you're a buy, right? Oh no, I hate this book. Oh, okay. Oh man. Swerve. That's where, that's, we're in the market of, of that now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now we're double buy, Sheriff of Babylon number one. It's an excellent book. Another great book by Tom King, who is, one to watch. Like I, I am yeah. everything. I'm now I'm like trying to look back and like, has he written anything else that I missed and should be looking at? Maybe this is going to be a superstar. I, and I would, I, I also read vision number two this week. Good. Also by, get to. also by Tom I, King. Also really good. Still. I love that vision. Number one, two is really also really, really good. <laughs> I kind of wish I could just stop podcasting right now and read it. Holy shit. I just turned to page three of it, and I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, yeah, things happen. <laughs> oh, God. Things happen in that book. <laughs> it's 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 not like uh, it's not like all new Avengers. No, like, yeah, it's it, somehow a book about Vision living, you know, in the suburbs is has mm-hmm. more happening than the Avengers main Avengers title. Yep. <laughs> uh, is there anything you wanted to, to any other books you read, Eric, that you wanted to touch on? No. Okay. I didn't have any time for that shit. I know. You are a busy man. I am the busiest of men. We will talk about that in our next segment. Ooh. It is time yeah. for checking in. Checking in is the part of the show when Eric and I talk about what we've been up to during the week. Uh, you know, interesting things, video games, movies, sh- stuff. You know, whatever. I'm gonna. I only have a very small thing to talk about before Eric. And Eric had an exciting weekend. I know for sure. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm actually very interested to see what he has to say because I purposefully did not ask him so that we could get it on the podcast because we're not allowed to talk outside of the podcast anymore. It's not allowed. We need content for you. For me? Not you. You, the listener. You me? Know? <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> I hate you so much. Me? Shut up. <laughs> idiot. Why don't you tell me about re- about something there, buddy? Yeah, there's a game. I, I, it's a game. It's a, 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 of course it's a game. Of course it's a game. I don't do anything else. I'm a loser. Uh, this, is, well, this is, this is I, I actively have to discourage you from starting another podcast about, uh, about indie video games. Which, to be fair, I would do with you, but I mm, we have we have too many things to do. Uh, it is the I have a game to talk about. It is uh, it's been out for a while now. I picked it up finally on the Steam Black Friday sale. It is called Regency Solitaire. Talking about solitaire games in 2015, Eric. I mean, sure, sure. It is uh, it is a solitaire game. You are playing solitaire. It is it has a story in a in a certain way. Uh, it, it a story that I thought you know i don't necessarily think that i would like but now i'm kind of playing it i'm kind of getting into it uh you it is set in like a victorian england like a jane austen-esque mm-hmm. setting um and uh, you are a a, a a teenaged girl who is about to be married off to some but some dude and your scumbag brother has gambled away your family's money and so you're trying to get with a nice handsome noble man but your ugly, evil, gross neighbor wants you instead, and you're gonna try and warm your way out of that. And you do that by playing solitaire. I cannot believe what you just described to me. 
<laughs> Every bit of this is so goddamn strange. It's a, it's a weird thing, but it's, it's incredibly weird. How much did you pay for this? I think a dollar. I what the hell? This is so odd. Maybe a dollar forty nine. Oh, it was on sale. I don't know. It's, it's normal so... prices under ten dollars. So I Jesus. I bought it. I, it's been on my wish list for a long time. I was waiting for it to sale to to pop up, and eventually it did. I feel I if I had no access to the internet right now, I would swear you're just like being the perfect troll. This is a real thing. <laughs> yeah, of course. I can't this is so weird. It says right there on Steam, one friend already owns this game. There you are. That's me. You've played it for almost eight hours. <laughs> well, you know <laughs> it's fun. I you know I you know I sometimes after uh, you know after I've done I've done work and I've gotten all my chores done and I've got all my work for uh, not work work done mm-hmm. I just kind of want to hang out I'll put a video on or a podcast on in the background and I'll just you know play a, a relaxing easy game and that's what this is you know it's not a lot of thought does not require twitch reflexing doesn't require heavy mm-hmm. thought you're just like okay what's the what's the next card all right click that one. There's a there's a little meta to it, like you are upgrading your house, which gives you new like a little better you know abilities, quote unquote, while you're playing mm-hmm. Solitaire. You know, you flip over more cards or you know stuff like that. Uh, I don't like Jane Austen stuff or any of that ilk, you know, very much. Or you know, like Charlotte Bront- Bronte. I don't like Jane mm-hmm. Eyre, but this game, I like it. I like this game. It's really beautiful looking. That you can actually, they have an option in the game to set stuff as your wallpaper. If you want, <laughs> but I like it. I uh, see. I wreck anybody who likes you know a nice quiet card game, a very loose plot added to it for not. Much- I am. I'm not. I I would be. St- I'm stunned. This isn't like a huge blockbuster because it seems like it lines up. It seems like there should be a market for this. Uh, well, I I don't know. I, I don't know how well it's done, but I imagine not terribly well. But like women who play casual video games. And like this kind of crap. It's not. I really. I wanted it to be on the iPad. For yeah. A, and it never was. This needs to be an iPad app. It should be. I think it Absolutely. would do very well. Yes, on it that. would. But uh, that's all I got. Talk to me about all the. Th- I, you go, Eric. Talk. What have you? What have you done? I know you've done things. Well, I uh, I developed a Regency Solitaire game. Oh, no. really? No. Okay. No, I did not. All right. I, no. So. I'd been, uh, sort of, I found out about this guy named John T. Edge. He runs a thing called the Southern Foodways Alliance. And on his Twitter feed, he turned me on to the podcast that the Southern Foodways Alliance puts on. And it is called Gravy. Okay. And I am a huge fan. I believe I have listened to every single episode. And it's a couple of years old. And they they put out it's very NPR uh, sort of this American life stories. You know they're not as suspenseful as a this American life or a Radiolab story, but it's like you know it's it's a little a little bit of investigative journalism about you know something like one episode is about a uh, a, a Mexican chef that is taught to cook excellent soul food and he lives in L.A. So it's it's but it's all sort of centered around southern culture or sort of the way that the south and southern people are changing but often through the lens of southern food and I am fascinated by it 
there's a whole episode about the history of Bourbon Street. What else stood out to me? They're all really, really excellent. Oh, yeah. There is one about something I, I didn't even know that Lexington, North Carolina, which is not far from where I grew up, is famous for barbecue until I listened to this episode about how they were renovating like this lot where there was a famous uh, barbecue place and they found like these these like underground barbecue pits that were just basically like big cement rooms that they would just build fires in and just smoke rooms and rooms of pork butts or whatever. And how the city of Lexington has basically, because they're so obsessed with barbecue, the city has allowed them to build an office building there, but as long as there is a monument to the barbecue pits. That's, I, that's something. It's a lot about, um, about my home. It's, it is a really, really good podcast, and I like it quite a lot. If uh, I don't to, know, I'll, I'll check it out. I think you should. I mean, I I know for me, like I'm very interested in food and culture, and this is this is like sort of my cultural heritage, you know. Mm-hmm. And that was always that was very much their how they 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 set out to like you know we need to talk about it and. You know, they don't shy away from things. It's not, it's, it's not like any kind of bullshit whitewashing over anything. I mean, it's, but it's just really good. Like, there's a whole episode about, um, how there's all of these cookbooks and none of them are written by black women when there were shitloads of black women cooking things in the South for hundreds of years. And it was like one black journalist and her sort of like little quest to track down historical evidence of like black women's recipe books and cookbooks. And it's just really, really interesting. Like I, I've listened to every episode and I kind of want to listen to all of them again. Like it's really, really good. But that's uh, gravy by the Southern Foodways Alliance. It's, it's really high quality too. It's, uh, I mean, I, w- I would put it on there. They've actually had a couple of their episodes published by NPR. So, I mean, it's it's of that high quality. Did you ever watch uh, the Alton Brown Feasting on Asphalt, particularly season two? No. Season two. Season Both of them are road trip style uh, travelogue kind of shows where he goes to local restaurants throughout America. The first mm-hmm. one uh, is not as when you know you because it is kind of su- it's southern foodways alliance is focusing on the south and stuff like that uh mm-hmm. the river run is, is the second season he basically traces the mississippi river mm-hmm. and also stop it stops at many very small rural restaurants yes you know that have been doing this for decades through I families believe, and i believe you talked about this a little bit because i remember you describing like a restaurant or two that was just like so weird like i couldn't believe it yeah and he you know he it's very interesting to see you know that what you said reminds me of the stuff Mm -hmm. that uh, i would definitely if you have the chance seek that out that does you you said words that i like it's it it sounds like something i would look into do you want to hear about the best anime that you're not watching I've actually heard. I see your the title on your yep. on the notes. I've heard. I saw a animated gif that was uh good. That was funny. But I I've heard a lot about it from the few people who are oh, on my tongue. I haven't heard a lot. I guess I've seen. You're you are seen. definitely gonna hear a lot about it from me. Because okay. I am I am 
obsessed with it right now. Like I have, I'm having a hard time not thinking about it. I, like I, I am going to go watch more of it pretty much as soon as we get done here. And it is called One Punch Man. Just tell me about One Punch Man, Eric. What's the story? What's the plot of One Punch Man? I don't I, really know I, that. Well, I think that it is based on a webcomic. I'm not sure. Is that have you heard that corroborating uh, evidence? Mm, I haven't heard anything really about it. It's it's not it's not based on a real manga. It was based off of a a writer doing a webcomic, and he was a bad artist, and he eventually hired. Uh, it, it got more popular because it's very compelling. Uh, and he he hired an artist. It started looking very good, and now it's basically webcomic has turned into a really truly amazing anime and it 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 combines sort of the shonen uh boys dragon ball sort of japanese superhero genre with elements of the american superhero genre but it's also kind of a parody of that because the main character so to speak although he kind of is as the show, he starts out as the main character and he kind of gets shifted to the side because it's more interesting if he's not always the focus of attention, he is so superhumanly strong that basically no one in the world can compete with him. That every horrible thing that comes to fight him, he can kill it with one punch. And not just, like, just beat them, but, like, he punches a monster and it explodes. And its <laughs> fucking guts go everywhere. Like, it is, it is absurd how violent it is. Like there's there is a part where there's like this uh, this scientist and he started this like weird crime family and they have like all of these like uh, sort of human animal genetic hybrids and they're coming after uh, One Punch Man and his sidekick who is this like like handsome very yaoi looking uh, uh, cyborg kid. Um, and the cyborg kid is like fighting really hard and he finally beats his guy when one punch man is uh, his name is Saitama he's not actually called one punch man in the anime yet because he hasn't earned his superhero name or at least in the episodes i've seen i've only seen 9 um he's he's fighting this like 16 foot tall like lion headed monster guy and he starts doing his special move you know and he's like screaming and he's like, ah, super claw, laser slash, you know, or whatever in the shit. You know, he, he says the name of it, and he's like screaming, and it's like, he's like, da, 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 da. you know, he's making one of those like crazy noises. And One Punch Man just like casually like dodges every attack, and he just says consecutive normal punches, <laughs> like in a bored voice like that. And the guy explodes into guts everywhere. Jesus. It's so bananas. Like, there's an earlier episode where the cyborg guy is introduced, and the cyborg guy is fighting this, um, th th this, uh, mosquito woman. She controls, like, a, a, a huge swarm of demon mosquitoes, and they, they kill a city full of people, and they bring the blood back to her, so she's full of blood. And at the end of the episode, One Punch Man just sort of taps her, and she flies off in space explodes on a building and it's like a whole like you know 15 story building and the whole thing is covered in blood jesus it's so, like it's it's so interesting because it's a great example of what is good 
about these genres because you'll be watching like these side characters fight and you're just like this is fucking amazing you know and it's got influence you know there's obviously dragon ball influence and i guarantee you there's some battle angel alita influence in there as well just from the character designs and the hyper violence but there's certainly like some one piece sort of weirdness in there based on the character designs and things that i've seen introduced later but it's it's very very compelling because you know the, i was hooked from from episode 1 where saitama comes out and he he says he just talks about being really unfulfilled because he has gotten so ridiculously powerful that he is just bored with being a superhero and he he's just like becoming less and like more and more withdrawn and less and less emotional about everything and i i don't know it's really remarkable and really compelling and there are a lot of very cool characters in it and it is a very cool and interesting world and it is damned hilarious too it it both is it is it is an excellent example of uh, of of the genre and it also relentlessly makes fun of it it is really just funny in ways that you do not see coming it is thoroughly thoroughly good I am I am terribly excited about it. I really want to see more, so I definitely recommend it to you. I'll I've been meaning actually just from what I've seen of it online. You know, it it seems like something I should like at least check out. Mm-hmm. I I had no idea what to think, and one of my friends said, "Yeah, you should watch it," but that was all he said. I am over the moon for it. It it is it is rare that I find an anime that I am excited about now. This is this is up there with this is this is it's it's going to be one of my favorites, I'm sure. It is very, very, very strong. I feel like I'm going to, going to kind of be obsessed with it for a while. Do you want to hear about my adventure? Yeah. Yeah I do. How was how was so, down south? Yeah, it, it was going going down on Florida. So there is a thing that happens apparently every year, and I don't even really know what you call it because I am not very educated about it. I don't think it was even a thing I had ever heard of before maybe last year, but I just know that all of the artists in Tampa that I am Facebook friends with were talking about this thing called Art Basil, and I looked it up, and I'm like, this seems pretty interesting. What it is is a big... I guess you could call it conference. It is the Miami Convention Center, and there are events all over Miami. There were so many events that I think even if you were there for all four or five days, there's no way you could see half of what's going on. There are galleries all over. There are artists all over Miami. I mean, it is just everywhere. And there are so many people coming into town. And it, and that's, that's, I mean, it, it's, I think, theoretically, just to sell contemporary artwork. Contemporary and, you know, whatever artwork is available. Because it's a lot of, uh, a lot of galleries and a lot of curators and a lot of uh, agents and people that represent contemporary artists. They're looking to sell artwork. And there's also, there, there's, Art Basel on one side, and there's Design Miami on the other side. And we went to both. They're both put on through the same organization. Did you like it? You know, I have talked 
pretty extensively with you and with others, you you probably will be surprised with what I'm going to say. But I think I have come away from this show being very excited about contemporary art. I am surprised. Yes. So am I. So am I. That I am thoroughly... I, I don't know. It, it, it's... I, I am stunned at the level of quality and how many things I saw that were interesting. Because I am, I am used to a fairly small, um, contemporary art world. And when you're introduced to people that, you know, probably hundreds of different galleries and curators say, this is it. This is the cream of the crop. It turns out that there's really something that's being said, that there's something really interesting that I, I don't know. It was, uh, it was very challenging and very overwhelming to see something that I knew so little about that was so interesting that just went so deep that there are literally hundreds, if not thousands of artists. I mean, there are, I believe there are over 3,000 artists that are represented by Art Basel, but I don't know that there were 3,000 artists that were represented there during this event. But there were, I mean, so many people there represented. I recognize almost no names, and it's just, it's so much to learn about, and it's so terribly exciting. It was very overwhelming. I was actually feeling like I was going to have a panic attack at some point because I was looking at so much art and just so overwhelmed by just how just how much it was. I mean, it's it was like a substantial amount of the convention center, the same convention center where... Um, Supercon. Florida Supercon, same one. Right. But, I mean, but every booth has, you know, probably... You know, anywhere from a quarter of a million to a million dollars of artwork at it. So it's really, really overwhelming, and it's really fascinating. I will say this, Design Miami, not my cup of tea. I went with a friend of mine, and he encapsulated it so perfectly that I can't, I, I can't unsee what he said. And he said that it's like a giant, like, Ikea for people with way too much money. And that's all it is. <laughs> It's just for billionaire collectors to come and buy shit, so to come and buy furniture so they can feel special. And that's really kind of the negative thing about Art Basel is the money and the celebrity culture and the going to be seen. And it's it's got a really gross and crass and commercialistic side that's not about art, but I don't know. There's there's always that sort of brand management and that sort of, you know, celebrity culture and that sort of, you know, trying to be a big swinging dick and making art to get laid, you know, side to any art scene. So I don't know. I don't know enough about the history of Art Basel to really make a judgment about that. But there were certainly some things about it that felt icky. But in terms of just looking at art, I was overwhelmed at, at the quality and excited to learn more. So Jesus Christ. We left Friday, got in about midnight. I slept about three hours. <laughs> the valet actually broke my car. Did I tell you that? No. What did he do? He was fucking with the pedals. And it it when you put your feet under the, my gas pedal and push it, 
it reduces the engine power. It only seems to do it for about 10 minutes, but I did it once and it scared the shit out of me. I thought I had broke my car, and so did these people. <sighs> but I, I don't know. We spent the whole day at Art Basil. We got dinner in Little Haiti. We got back here at about one in the morning, so it has been an exhausting couple of days. But Saturday felt like about a month and a half. <laughs> it was a lot to absorb, and I'm still kind of reeling from it. It was an amazing experience. I hope I can I hope I can go again and spend more time at it, you know? <sighs> so that's about it. Okay. I still can't believe that it happened. I was I was not expecting you to enjoy it. I'm really glad. I mean, well, I mean, I I love art. I, know, I really, I really, honestly do. I know it's you do. Of... I'm not. That's not my. Re- <laughs> that's not the reason I thought you wouldn't like it. No, I know. We've we've we have had our conversations. I mean, and, and don't get me wrong. There's definitely that bullshit side to it, but it's a lot easier to take it seriously when you see this in this world. And this level of work, you know, because there are people that do, you know, more traditional mediums and don't just write their name on a urinal, you know, right. there's, there's both in this world and it's just, it's a whole, it's a whole formed culture and it's a whole world that I know almost nothing about that I really want to know more about. And it's, it's very, very exciting. So, I mean, the things that I criticize the art world for are very much there, but there's a lot of good that I could not see. And being able to find that is really, really exciting to me. So I hope that makes sense. No, I understand. Context is a lot. It really is. All right, Eric, you ready to talk about Namona? I've been talking for a while, so I can I can definitely talk more. Good. Good, because we still got we got we got one more segment left. We do. We do. It is time for Nerd Boy Book Club. Nerd Boy Book Club is the part of the show when Eric and I will assign a longer collected work and we'll and discuss it in depth like you would a book club. This week we are reading Nimona by Noelle Stevenson of Lumberjanes Fame. This was initially a webcomic uh, that she started when she was just kind of a anonymous art student and. By the time it was done, she uh, was on Lumberjanes, and which you know won an Eisner for. Um, w- okay, we we were we had kind of half joked about this last week. You're like you had you had mentioned I, you get to actually decide if you like Noelle Stevenson's work or not. Do you like her work? Or? I I I think I think the jury's still out on her work. Right. I I like this book much more than I thought I was going to. Even as I was reading it, I'm like, I'm not going to like this. And you get to a point where it stops being, it stops being this girl running in and saying dumb catchphrases and like, oh, I'm going to act silly. I'm going to murder people. It's, it's when it stops being that and she stops, she starts mining things that feel more real. I'm I'm actually very impressed with um with how good it is. You know, I like the shape that the story takes and I like where it ends. It it feels like it could be a little more economical in telling that story, but at really at no point does it drag too much. 
No, it moves. Yeah, it does. And I, I think, just, yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. You, you go ahead. <laughs> I, I dare you. Oh, no, I double no. dog dare you. No, you, you go. This is, <laughs> this is a dumb game. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, didn't know what to expect from it, honestly. Mm-hmm. I just picked it up because, you know, I saw it came out. I'm like, oh, no, Stevenson. Oh, it's her thing. It's collected. It's now it has won many awards and it's sold. It's, I think it's in its fifth printing or something along those lines. Um, it, Nimona has done very, very well. Uh, I, I didn't know what to expect from it. I saw what was on the cover and what, you know, I've seen online of it, which is very little. Uh, but like you, I came away very impressed by this. Mm-hmm. I, I was genuinely going, wow, that, there's powerful stuff in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that and you know it's it it kind of a, it's narrow focus is its benefit. I I feel like seeing it, you know, it's just about a few characters, mm-hmm. and by focusing on those few characters and letting them their journeys tell this story, it really does something really interesting and uses the setting. I don't know the. Like, I don't know. It, in a lot of ways, it is very silly in certain ways. Yeah. But then it gets really dark and serious. Mm-hmm. Which I honestly didn't, wasn't expecting because I wasn't, didn't know what to expect. But that, I don't know. The, the thing that got that, there's a lot of, near the end of the book, there's a lot of really cool stuff and powerful stuff that happens with the characters. But that moment when she dies for the first time. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh fuck, she's not dead the hell they're like oh she's not a girl i'm like oh okay (laughs) that's that's something i was like wow cool i did not that it got surprised it's surprising yes and it's always it's always fun to be surprised at least in a a good way certainly yeah certainly in fiction you should not be able to write the story before you fucking read it you should you should not be able to guess everything that happens at the very least, they should try and lead you in a different direction. Yeah, and I, and in those initials, you like you say, it does start off very silly with this silly, mm-hmm. you know, girl shapeshifter kind of just jumping in and upsetting her affect her boss, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, just yelling dumb catchphrases and stuff. And then I, I don't know, maybe as uh, Noel Stevenson kind of started crafting the world a little bit, mm-hmm. you can see. The things like pieces get put into place, and I, you know, I, I don't, I don't mind that silly stuff at the beginning because it kind of introduces these characters in a, you know, in a fun, light way. It doesn't. It didn't do anything to me. I, I, it, I did not find it endearing. Oh, I, well, I, I did, did not find it in. I did not find it endearing or interesting. I mean, she, she just fucking murders a bunch of people. She does. She, I. I don't know. I didn't think that was funny. Not that I didn't think the murder was funny. I did not say I'm not, and I don't think it, I never said funny. I, I mean, it, it, it no, endearing. I know, like, but it's, it's not, it's not endearing. And maybe, maybe you need it. You know, maybe you, it has to be a part of her character and it does tie in with the reveals and with the ending. Yes. You know, yes. it's, it's sensible. It does make sense given her character and the fact that she is later revealed to be a monster. But I don't know. Like, I did not really like her until sort of the middle part of the book when when her and... Why is he Lord Ballister? 
He's a villain. Why would he be a lord? Well, Doctor Doctor Doom's a, a villain. Yeah, but you could you you have to be like a lord is like a a, a title. You know, it it'd be like maybe he comes from nobility. I guess I don't know. You don't. I I don't think you can actually be a knight unless you come from nobility. That's true, but you wouldn't necessarily be a lord. Like I feel like if you're a villain, which he is. You would have your land stripped from you. You'd probably lose your title, Lord. Maybe he just keeps the title as like a fuck you. I guess. It's just, it seems like it's something that's not really thought out, that it's just sort of, he's Lord because, because why not? Because you want to call him Lord Blackheart. Yes. I found him very interesting and compelling, and it was, I, I did not really, I did not really like Nimona until he started to, sort of develop more affection for her. I did, I think, when her fake backstory, I mean, potentially fake, partially fake backstory. I think, you know, I think it's pretty much fake. I don't is think it completely any, I, fake. I, I think. Well, they, they I'm sort very, of show at the end that yeah, there is, there's the, girl and there's monster. There's her, I think her, the part about her town and the raiders and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that's sort of true. Yes. But that's the what I'm rest, saying. It's, yeah, but the rest. It's like sort of partially a partially true backstory. Um, I think when you get to that, we start to, we start to see, you know, the vulnerability of the character. We start to see things that I think make her appealing that she starts out as the dumb worst parts of the lumberjanes that I did not like. And it becomes basically what I want to see out of you know, a young writer and artist. It is, it is a good story. You know, it's, it's not, it's interesting and it's compelling and it's got good solid characters. Once you really start to get down and you, you, you get below the surface and it, it, it's good, you know? And I, I like that. It's got a, it's got a good rich ending. I, I really do like where it ends. I think it's just, it's just the perfect flavor of bittersweet. Yeah, I think I, I I don't know how else you could end it, honestly. Yeah, like I I don't think I think any attempt at a good like a happy ending would feel you know mm-hmm. uh, constructed. Yeah, artificial. Well, something they have to pay pay the price somehow, and I think that that makes the most sense. That it's just sort of something that's broken there that can't really go back to the way it was. I think it it feels just about right, you know. Do you think that do you feel like this book is saying something about uh you know like feminism and and, and you know being a, a woman in, in, in general? If it is, I have no idea what it is. What do you think it is? No, I'm just you know the the fact that you know she's a, a, the, the the that the both the leader of the institute and her mm-hmm. are I think the only female characters except for the new I guess the news reporter. An anchor woman. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. she's kind of static. I mean, the, the institute leader is also a static there, character at all. Right. There really are not many characters. There's the doctor. Yeah. Oh, that's true. The scientist. Oh. Yeah. So I guess with her, there kind of are more female characters than male characters. And the, uh, the old hero, Glorith, <laughs> is, is female. That's true. I like that. I, I, I feel like that's a dumb addition. I don't know why. I like her character design, though. Glorious. Uh, yeah. No, it, just the fact that, you know, she, the fact that she's a monster and not a girl and, mm-hmm. or, and that, we, you know, the fact that, you know, 
talks a lot about she doesn't need to be saved. Yeah, like that, like that whole like she is the female sidekick, you know. But mm-hmm. ostensibly, she is more powerful than Blackheart. You yeah, know, she doesn't want to be saved, but kind of the balance of that between in that and I emotional that, fragility and all that right. stuff. I I don't think that the thing that I like about this is it isn't some dumb morality tale about feminism and treating girls nice mm-hmm. that it is I think exactly what um what comics of our era should be in that it is it is a good solid story telling things sort of the way that they you know it'd be nice if they kind of always had been you know with characters are real and flawed and it's not just set up as um you know to where like oh well this is a story for girls so the men all act this way or this is a story for boys so there's one girl and she's going to take her shirt off you know that it's it it's full of rich characters and they interact and do you think it, the book is do you think the book is saying anything in particular like other than just hey we're i'm just trying to you think it's only objective is to tell a good story I kind of think that it, that should be the only objective, but, but, you, but I, nothing in actuality. Well, that's that's sort of what I'm saying is, I it would be dumber to me if they had these asides. Like I think that, and maybe maybe I am struggling to articulate it, but it 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 says more that these things should just exist and be sort of more correct and more balanced. You know, like, I think it, it, to, to write a story that quote unquote corrects this imbalance and then act like it's like this weird thing and you're supposed to learn something from watching it mm-hmm. is weird to me. And I don't think people should do it. I don't know that you should get pontificated to when you're watching something. Something should just, you know, you, you write it to, you know, to fit the model of what you think is good, and then you just make it good. I don't. I don't think it needs to necessarily say something. Whether or not, I mean, I. I don't think she came into this with a mission, other than, well, here's this girl character, and here's her foil, and here's how they're going to interact, and here's what's going to happen. I think the focus is definitely there, and I don't know. Do you feel? Do you feel like there is like? an underlying sort of moral to this or a um, a principle or something in this because I'm happy to ignore it. I am more bothered when I see it. I don't necessarily mind it, it, it by any means. I think a lot of art, uh, it's transparent that it is going for something in particular thematically or, you know, like it's trying to deliver a message of some mm-hmm. sort. And, uh, I mean, results may vary. I, yeah. I think I think a lot of art that is has wears what it's going for on its sleeve, and I like it regardless. I don't care that it's, it 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 can be good. Yes, you know, often, like but it. oftentimes it comes off as bad, and you know it's yeah, it uh, it you know it's often it's a very weird alchemy that is impossible to like say oh it won't mm-hmm. work in this case or it will in this case. Yeah, uh, and I feel like you know it's often up to uh, you know aesthetic taste yeah. and all that stuff. I don't like. I feel like. It, well, what it's I, I, saying mm-hmm. is not easily parsed. I feel like it, yeah. it is, it has a message in there somewhere about relation, well, I, relationships and stuff mm-hmm. about how we view 
maybe not even like just female protagonists in fiction. Like mm-hmm. it may be just that kind of thing. Um, but I think I'd have to read it again to actually. I don't, I, I, I mean, I don't think, not that I think it's like so dumb that you can't really pick it apart and think deeply on it, but I think not wearing it on its sleeve. I mean, to me, that says something important that, you know, you can have this book with this female protagonist and these characters and they should be likable and it's, it's fucking normal. It should be the new normal. <laughs> it doesn't have to be like, it doesn't have to be like the whole point of view that the story's built around, like in, you know, do the right thing is about like race relations or 1984 is about totalitarian socialism or uh, communism or whatever. You know, I, I don't think that it, it, it has to be obvious and heavy handed. I think it's better to just sort of treat it as normal and ignore the stuff that is, you know, it doesn't, it does not make sense. I don't know. I'm just rehashing my ideas over. It's fine. I, I mean, I don't think it needs to necessarily teach me anything to be good except no. about except about these damn characters. Right. It's I, like when I when I watch Steven Universe, I'm not thinking about like, oh, it's so fucking progressive and they have to like stop and tell me like, oh, well, we've got we've got this character and we've got this character and this is why we're doing this. Like, no, they just fucking do it. And it's great. And it stands on its own merit. And that's better than having an agenda honestly in my opinion i think that is an agenda in and of itself it is but to to act like all stories regardless if it is overt or not has is saying something even if it's not no it's impossible not to well and i'm not even a documentary is a a point of view yeah i'm not trying to get at anything i'm just i'm yeah no i know i'm i just it's just something that i think about that if someone is going to stand is going to use their their art or their story as a soapbox to try and educate me on something it had better be goddamn interesting you know it had better really educate me it had if if you can just show me a character that i like on its own merit then i will be naturally drawn to that character they'll be interesting like it 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 doesn't feel like it feels much less artificial. And that's, that is, like, I, I think that's really kind of my difference with, um, with Lumberjanes versus this is the, the characters were presented where it felt kind of like Lumberjanes just started out like trying, trying to say too much and giving me too much of the dumb crap and not enough of the meat of the characters and making me appreciate them. I feel like if I got the moments sort of in the middle of this book and maybe the stuff later in Lumberjanes at the beginning of Lumberjanes, I'd feel very differently about it. I, I don't know. Well, uh, I don't, I don't necessarily think that I don't think it can, I, I don't, I, I certainly am not going to say that it's objectively bad that she did it the way she did it in Lumberjanes, nor is the beginning of this objectively bad, but I do think that it is my own preference that it should be done artfully, you know, that, that it should be, 
I don't know. It should feel very natural. Well, I have a, I actually, when I read a review of this book and it actually made a comparison that I think is very apt considering we've read it and discussed it, mm-hmm. um, is Bone. I mean, obviously Bone is uh, much longer. <laughs> I, yes, much, much longer. Much, ha, much longer. Ha, ha. But, uh, in the fact that Bone starts off in a very kind of, it's not nearly as kind of flippant as this is, but it's all, it's very, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it, uh, it's uh, simple. It's, it, yes, yeah, it's slow. It's silly. Yeah. It's uh, nothing. It's basically a comedy book, and and you know, it's not. not there's not any big thing happening. It's just very much mm-hmm. like here's bone and here's some jokes. I think the overall shape. Yeah, that's very. That's an apt comparison. And then a it very, gets suddenly very, serious. <laughs> yes, all of a sudden we're fighting god dragons, and yeah, that happens in here too. There it you does. go. Yes, dragons. Dragons. Dragon. Dragon things. Um. And I think that I that is yes. Um, where do you stand on Noel on the, the art in this? It's a little too simple for my tastes. It is not bad. You know, I I wish I could draw something that simple and get away with it. When someone draws that simply, I feel like they're kind of cheating. But it's <laughs> it's it's not an ugly book. And when I look at her drawings, it's not like she's a shitty draftsman. You know, she obviously knows what's going on. It's just, it's a little deep on the style side, you know? Mm-hmm. That's a side of the pool that I I kind of like to avoid personally. And then the artists that I love, they're the ones that, you know, they they might, they might, they might have, like, some real stylistic tendencies, but they're definitely, you know, they're, they're, they're staying in the realm of, like, technical skill and you know knowledge of shapes and dimensionality and 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 perspective you know i i like when these things are married well this is more on the simple side but it's not like i think it's not far removed from someone like an umberto ramos you know or even maybe a gary baseman who is not a comic person but an illustrator that you probably don't know but you would recognize if you if you looked him up. I feel like this art style works really well in this story mm-hmm. because it is a, ostensibly a fantasy story. Yeah. And that's simplistic storybook feel. I never, you know, I I I it is at home here. Yeah. You know, and I don't know if it would translate to another thing as well. Or if I, at least if I would like it as much, I think that's the, the truth. No, it would, I mean, it, any book is going to feel tremendously different drawn by someone else. It does, it does help it feel light and silly when dramatic things are happening. But I like it. I mean, it, I, I feel like it makes it accessible. You know, it's a, it's a good focus on solid storytelling. It doesn't get in the way. I, I, it's it is not my preference, but it is it's it works. What do you think I about? She, I wonder the, if she colored it as well. I think so. I think she did everything. It would appear that she did. There are not any other names here. Nope. Hand lettered as well. I was gonna say, what do you uh, think about the relationship between Miss, Sir Golden Loin and Lord Blackheart? So stupid. Um, it really is uh, an interesting. It's it. Well, it is. It's it is kind of. It is kind of the major story of this book, really. It is kind of what ties a lot of things together. Yes, it does. You know, 
you know, that's, that's the major threads of this is those two. And then, and then Blackheart and Nimona, even though this is theoretically Nimona's book, that's sort of the way that works. It's, it's about those two separate relationships. Cause it's interesting that the book really kind of revolves around him, but I don't know. It's, it's a good, it's a good place to, to mine, you know, conflicts and be- believably hurt feelings. Yeah. Do you think the relationship is overtly romantic? I don't think so. Okay. I mean, I don't know. Like, that's how I read it. Like, I, I, I read into it like, oh, they were lovers, not just friends. Mm. But I, I, I don't know I if think that's it, in, I think it like, could be, it's I think, implicit or not. I did not read it as such. Um, I think I could be sold on that. It, it, I was very up in the air about it. I'm like, oh, is that, is that what's going on? Like, is that implied in some way? But then that scene where they meet in, in you know, secretly mm-hmm. and Golden Lloyd's telling him about, telling Blackheart that he has been ordered to kill Nimona and he mm-hmm. puts it, he touches his hand, his, his metal hand uh, on the table. That's when I was like, okay, that, mm, that seems like that's what they're saying at that point. Let me find that scene and tell you if I, agree or not because it did not jump out at me but like i say i i could see it happening 94 say so i'm way away from that i question it it doesn't feel quite that gentle i don't know i don't it's just that i think it it feels more like a device to get the uh the robot hands the metal yes. hands thing yeah yeah i mean it's not impossible but i never got that kind of tension it, it it's it's interesting and i kind of like that it could go either way but i don't really see it as that like i think it's just it's all bromance okay i mean so out of the text mm-hmm. noel stevenson has kind of hinted that mm-hmm. that's what i mean in her exact words not i don't know exact words but she has said let's see people went after the, you know as this because this is running bi-weekly and so people mm-hmm. were getting you know bits and pieces at a time and obviously they were really when it got to the serious stuff they were maybe probably being people like the internet can be and uh, of course being you know obsessive about it and she's you know, she, let's see, posted reassuring doodles on Tumblr, promised that in an alternate universe somewhere, Blackheart and Golden Lynn were gay dads with Nimona as their adopted toddler. Mm-hmm. So I, I read that after I read the book, and I it, I don't know. I, that's why I asked, because I'm not sure. Well, it, it, it's to me, that, to me, that sounds like people were really shipping the two of them. Oh, I'm positive they were. Oh, yeah. Which, the, I don't think that she necessarily, she probably thought that was cute. But I don't know that it was necessarily her opinion. And, yeah. But it it's kind of more interesting that it's left up to your imagination. Yeah. If it was mo- more overt, it'd be campy, maybe. Maybe it's it's it falls back into that territory of being preachy, of trying to make a statement like, oh, well, well, well knights can be gay. You know, it's like okay. But if it's like if it's not said, then you then it gets you thinking about like, oh, are they? Aren't they? You know, does it matter? Does it matter that I'm thinking about this? Does it matter that I have feelings about it one way or the other? Then it's interesting. You know, that just adds some rich subtext and something that you can interpret. Yeah, that that makes it better being 
overt kind of makes it worse. The uh, what do you think about the mixture of science and magic in this? It's fucking weird. It, yeah, I I kind of like it, it. It it confuses me. I you know it doesn't make a lot of sense. No, it 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 it's kind like of they have like they have it's medieval times, but there's yeah modern science in it, but also magic at some points. Yes, yeah, well, there's also magic. And, like, they don't show computers, there's just weird screens mm-hmm. that float in the air. Yeah. I I mean, I don't know. I, it's, I definitely, like it. it's definitely one of those things that I don't think you're supposed to think of. No, I'm sure. Very much. You're just supposed to be like, okay, I guess that's happening now. That's kind of different. Okay, he's got, he's got, a, a, he borrowed Cable's gun. Mm-hmm. Talks to him. Sends him back in time. Yeah. So damn weird. I mean, it's definitely a wacky thing. And it's fine. I don't know that it should be. I don't know that it should be any different. Like, I just kind of like that she just throws it in there and she's just like, fucking whatever. Yeah, this is what it is. There's a green magic screen that's made of science. And I'm not going to explain it. I, I don't know. That's that's kind of good. It's kind of awesome. I like that. It's really weird. You sound thoughtful. <laughs> Are you just patting your cats? No, I'm looking at the flipping of the book. Um, I don't know. The idea of villainy, I think, is a thing that's of good and evil, the rules and stuff. Mm. I think there's something in there. That was that was that felt a little clunky in the beginning, and well, I'm yeah, glad. That, uh, yeah. I'm glad that it sort of went away with that because it felt it felt like you know borrowing from that idea in the Venture Brothers that. Oh well, they're just gonna arch each other, and it's just gonna be this weird cat and mouse game. I think that's just one of the parts that you you kind of have to look away from because I don't know that doesn't really make sense in any world. But I don't know when you, when it comes back to it's it's his rules, it's his principles that I can accept. Yeah, I don't know. It made me think a lot about kind of culturally how we construct villains. Mm-hmm. And, and and you know good and evil and stuff when it's it's all artificial really. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, I I think it just also came at there's a a post online about how the first like the very first video clip of Hitler at a normal volume speaking. Mm-hmm. Did you mm-hmm. see that? No. Around like they found unearthed video and audio or audio of Hitler just talking. Yes. Not you know not like doing his normal tor- normal oratory or yes. oratorial. Just crazy screaming. That yeah, you know the in front of masses of of Mm -hmm. supporters, and you know he seems. And there was I I came across because there is a a best of post on Reddit about a guy describing it to a deaf person, like trying to to try and define the difference to a deaf person who obviously can't hear the difference. Mm -hmm. And it you know outlined you know he's was um, he was a bad man, but he was just a man. Yeah, yeah, and I don't. I don't know. It kind of. I was discovered that and was reading the book at the same time. It made me think about, you know, he is now our very definition of a of an evil thing. Mm-hmm. How as a culture we have how we define those things and stuff like that. I don't know. Things floating around mm-hmm. in my head. I think we. I don't know. I do like when villains have nuance, and I think that I don't know if we could look at Hitler through that lens and say, well, he did these things with this intention for these reasons. And it turned into this because there was 
you know, this cultural background and this and this to look at it from that idea of, you know, he's a bad man, but just a man. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think we might have a different narrative, you know, a different narrative with our villains anyway, if that makes any sense. No, it does. Moon is like Weapon X. Yeah, pretty apt. She's the best at what she does, and what she does is turn into a cat. Or a bear. Mm-hmm. Or a dragon. Or an octopus. Or any person that's real and some that aren't. <laughs> but it's a little harder. <laughs> I was... I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this book. Yeah, I'm very pleased, and... Uh, I'm I'm happy that I can find good things and that I don't have to just secretly think uh, Noel Stevenson is a flash in the pan. There's there's some real some real talent in the way this is written and shaped. So I'm I'm very pleased to have read it. I would suggest this to everyone, honestly. Everyone? Mm, okay, everyone who listens to this podcast regularly. <laughs> Anyone I'm friends with. Yeah. It's certainly very good. Yeah, and it's accessible. Mm-hmm. That it is. You know, it really not... does make me uncomfortable, all the murders in the beginning of the book. I wonder how necessary it is to establish her character. Well, I think it, because I think that paired with the silliness at the beginning, that, yeah. you know, I, I feel like the silliness distracts you from the fact that she is actually killing people. That's the thing, though. I... You're not you're very, not a normal person, Eric. No, I, you're more thoughtful than a lot of men. I don't know, but I, I well maybe that's true, but whenever there are people getting fucking killed and it is taken that lightly when it's treated as silly, that bothers me so much. I really hate that. It has bothered me literally my whole life. I remember being very young and seeing someone getting fucking killed in a comedy. And it was presented as a joke, and it really bothered me. So I, that I think that says something in and of completely itself. backfired on me. Yeah, I, I imagine it does say something about me. Yes, it does indeed. I I took it as like, oh, it's a silly story, ha ha ha. Yeah. And then, but I it, I think the impact of those are felt later on mm-hmm. when you go, oh right, she was just willy nilly killing people early in this story. Remember, I now, yeah, I remember that. And oh, right, like it makes you see her as you know, you get a more nuanced vision of her in a in, to, in total because of those things. I feel like, accident or not, it ties in thematically to the stuff later on. Yeah, like I said, it's probably fairly important to establish her character. Yeah, and I, but I kind of wish that it was handled differently or not at all. But, yeah, tell me I'm not normal, you fucker. You're not normal. I'm not friends with... You think I'm friends with normal people? (laughs) Yeah, probably Melissa is your most normal friend. Probably, you're right. The girl who has a stand-up desk with elephants all over it. Yep. Built her own computer. Yep. And has a deaf dog. Yep. Who may listen to this at one and a half speed. Yeah. It's it's fine. Micro machines. Yeah, I don't. Boys. Yeah, one point two five does not sound that different. I don't listen to stuff at anything but normal speed because I don't 
need to digest a billion pieces of content. I, I don't need to digest more media. <laughs> I already digest a lot. My head is already full of a lot of shit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, anything else you want to touch on? No. It's no. A long one. We got a long episode this week. That's a, yeah, it's me talking about one punch gravy basil. <laughs> no, it was good. It was solid. I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was Nimona. Noelle Stevenson. Heartily recommend it. Next week, we are reading the entirety of, uh, Karen Gillan's and Jamie McKelvey's Young Avengers. 15 issues. Uh, available in, in separate trades or in an omnibus. If you want to get it all in one, obviously available digitally. Uh, I think we've had mixed feelings about Karen Gillen. Yeah, kind, yeah. kind, I think it'll make for good discussion. I think so too. Um, I am, I'm actually, I don't know. We'll talk about it next week. Or right now. No, four hour podcast. Four hours. I, let's read it now and then t- talk more. We'll record us reading it. It'd be very exciting. Uh. Not really. Uh, but that, yeah, next week, Young Avengers 1 through 15, 1 through 15, uh, Karen Gill and Jamie McKelvey. It's the second volume of Young Avengers. Uh, I think that'll do it though for this week. Uh, we are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour. You can find us at handsomeboyscomicshour.com. Uh, you find everything there. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash handsomeboyscomicshour. Like us there. Find us on Twitter at HBC Hour. You can follow us there. You can email us at handsomeboyscomics at gmail.com. Uh, reach out to us any of those places. We'd like to hear from you guys. Uh, uh, we, we, we try and take suggestions, get to stuff people want us to read. Uh, if you like the show, wherever you're listening to us, iTunes, Stitcher, or some other podcatcher, podcast app, uh, give us a, a review, five stars, or it's a com- comparable rating, and a sub- and subscribe. We, it, that really helps us out, gets us new listeners, lets us, lets new people see the show. Obviously, uh, if you'd recommend us to your comic book friends, we'd appreciate that, too. You can find me on Twitter at MixMasterSerial. That's M-I-X-M-A-S-T-E-R-C-E-R-E-A-L. Eric, where can they find you online? Well, you can start out with my portfolio by going to freewillunlimited.com. And you can see most of the things I get up to online by going to ericzgoodnight.com. That includes my Instagram, where I'm known as Easy Goodnight. And while you're at that, you can you can tweet at me. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Bad Example, spelled M-R Bad Example. With that, folks, we will call it a day. Have a good one. Rock and roll.